I'm not on the fun boat. Maybe in the fun dinghy alongside, I'm along for the ride, and that's fine. But once we get to the other end, they're going to go back on the fun boat, and I'm going to go somewhere else. You can hear the music, and you can smell the, the food, and you can hear the glasses clinking, but in the, in the fun dinghy, you are not dancing with them. I'm Will Hindmarch. I'm a writer, narrative designer, graphic designer, and game designer. I'm Nathan Pletta. I'm an independent game designer, self-publisher, and graphic artist. Nathan, what even is this thing? This is the Design Games Podcast. So, Will, what are we talking about this time? We are talking about what are sometimes called the big three questions, even though there's more than three questions. When am I, when's the right time for me to make this decision? Yeah. As opposed to... What is the what decision am I, am I going to make? Mm. And that's what I do a, a lot when I'm sketching. As I say, okay, so I know that I don't need to figure out how the monsters heal or how the monsters fight back, or how the how romances are culminated, or how I know when somebody is seduced or whatever the rules are going to be, right? Until I can say, okay, well, that's going to that comes that comes later. That comes right. after I find out what's at stake, or comes out after I find out how many stats a person has, if they have stats at all, or you know. What's important? What is the game going to be about? Mm-hmm. And that's, and I mean, how is it about it? Those questions that, or the idea of those questions, what's your game about? How is it about that? And, and some associated other things. So those for those in, in, in my design trajectory have a name, right? The big three, the big three questions, which are attributed to a couple of people. I heard them first from Jared, Jared Sorensen. So that's who I attribute this idea to, but yeah, so, so they're basic, very like fundamental questions, but you're not necessarily able to answer them first thing. I think that's something important. Right. There's there's two versions of it that that float around that people may have seen or or heard on other in other uh, conversations like this. What is your game about? What do the characters do? And what do the players do? And then the alternate version: What is your game about? How is your game about that? And what behavior does it? either reward or encourage right. to fulfill the the how. And then why is that fun, right? That's kind of like right. a, a, a free-floating, always like, it's a game. Why is, you know, why is what you do in this game fun? Which is both a rabbit hole that, that you can go down and also fundamentally like, if you think it's fun, then it's fun, right? Yeah, fun is such a, other people's fun is, is a, it's such a loaded concept. Your fun is never a loaded concept. It's fun. It was fun. Did yeah. you have fun? Yes. Why? Give me what? I had fun. Give me <laughs> right. There's a, there's a thing we have in Think We Think About Games, which uh, is one of my favorites, which is the, you cannot convince someone who is not having fun that they are, right? Because that, that's not how fun works. Right. Yeah. So assuming that your game is fun for whatever value of fun you want to talk about. Yeah. So what, what do you think about those, about those questions? Are they, are those questions that you think about either directly or or just you check those boxes kind of as you come to them um, in your own process or I, I think about them and this is important to me both as a designer and as a player uh, and it's important to me as a designer that the audience think about this as players or readers of games or people appreciating and absorbing games though in many cases uh, the audience does not because of the very nature of when we encounter games is that we encounter games so that I don't have to do my homework or whatever, right? Like there are perfectly valid reasons to not read a game, if you will, as you're playing it. But I would like people to know that that is a thing that they can do. And that's not always the case. So what I mean is this, I want the audience to be thinking about those questions as well, whether they're doing it on a higher, higher level of like, okay. like a, a, literally a highfalutin snooty academic level like I do. And, uh, okay. uh, 
or if they're just doing it in the sense of, like people talk about theme, which is essentially what is a game about or how is it about it. They talk about mechanics. They talk about, I mean, it's not the whole of those things, right? But they talk about these things yeah. in different Talk formats. about reward cycles, right? They talk about reward experience. cycles. People talk about experience. Yeah. They talk about character um, development, all that. Uh, they talk about what you do. They mm -hmm. fight about what you do. Mm -hmm. I've had lots of arguments about whether or not Shadowrun is actually about Shadowrunning. Sure. Okay. Um, or what have you. Um, I've, had, I've, had, I've been in arguments about whether or not a game has to agree about what it's, whether the game and the marketing have to agree about what the game is about. Right. These kinds of questions. Yeah. If the, if the dress of the game has to convey what the game is about or if, if, the, if you can wait until they get to the text to find out, all kinds of stuff. Mm. And, I, and, and I bring this up especially because to me, not only do I think about those questions throughout, that I never check those boxes. I'm never done with those questions. I'm, I certainly, I mean, I don't think I'm done with them until I can approach my game or somebody else's game as a, as a reader, as an audience, as a player. Mm -hmm. As somebody interacting with it out, with a finished thing for with a big asterisk after the word finished, escaped, released, whatever it is, because you always have the opportunity to uncheck that box while you're still in design, and especially in things like RPGs, which obviously are kind of my 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 forte, right? Mm -hmm. Is that um, players can uncheck and can can change which boxes are checked at what point by playing the game. So that in other words, a player can take a game that is about Shadow running, or a game that is about Wild West gunfights, and make it about something else. And the game may fight them, mm -hmm. but if they don't, if they believe that they have done it successfully, and then they go off and tell other people, "I have a great hack or drift or whatever from this game," the point in which a game stops being one game and starts becoming another game is very fuzzy to me. Right. There's there's certainly a continuum between yeah. like the game, you know, the game is written, the game as intended. And then the game is played, and then the game is right. what it's doing, what it's successfully developed. doing, what it's doing on purpose, and what it's not so, doing on purpose. I would say I think, like I totally understand what you're saying about how like those the, the answers to those questions are 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 not set in stone, right? But I think for, from the design standpoint, what those questions can do, and kind of what I see the value in them is, is they can create a, a, a litmus test, if you will, about whether the game that you're actually designing is syncing up with your goals for right. the game, right? With your with your vision, if you will. And then you have an opportunity either to change the game to fit mm -hmm. what you're going for or to modulate your vision so that the, the, the answer that you're actually making right. is the answer you want, right? It can go both ways. So, you know, if you're, you're, you're working on this game, I actually have an example from Mask of the Mummy Kings where I'm making this game, and it's it's a game of, of sword and sorcery, tomb robbing adventure, right? And right. You're, you're you're going into the the ziggurat tomb, and you're trying to get treasure and whatever. However, uh, I I designed in this opportunity for player conflict, where there's certain treasures that that are linked to your character, like your 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 sheet, essentially. Um, it's all kind of pre-generated stuff. So there's a certain treasure that if someone finds, there's only one, but someone else at the table might also be looking for that particular treasure as kind of a win condition. Mm -hmm. And so originally I was like, okay, this will be a, an avenue for players to explore some, some, some kind of genre uh, appropriate character conflict within the larger scope of the, of the, the, the game, right. which is fundamentally cooperative. You're all, you need to work together mechanically in order to succeed um, or to succeed with the maximum efficiency. It's, it's actually kind of all about efficiency. But anyway, in playtesting, that player dynamic or that character confrontation dynamic ended up being one that 
while it would be easy for me to say, oh, if you don't want to engage in this, just don't do it, right? Or like, mm-hmm. you know, play with the right people right. In, in scare quotes. Yeah, you know, if you play with the right group, right, you'll be able to manage that, that kind of thing. And in playtesting, it kind of turned out that, well, if there's some people at the table who want to explore that and other people who don't, that will create a, a chaotic table state where no one feels like they're getting what they want out of the game. So I, then I had a choice and I, and I kind of went back and forth about this where like, do I design in more support and split out character conflict into its own subsystem that still is linked into everything and, and makes sense and doesn't have too much overhead and, and doesn't impinge on the enjoyment of the cooperative nature of the game for people who don't want to engage in it. Right. Or do I say, you know what, this is really a cooperative game. Maybe there just shouldn't be those opportunities. Right. And that's what I ended up deciding to do is I, I, I decided to drop that element out of my original vision for the game and say, oh, maybe I'll come back later because I do right. have more like expansive material I want to add to the game later and whatever. But when, when I faced that, that choice, I decided to change my goal as opposed to change the game. Right. And I think it was the right choice for how it all kind of ended up. And that's kind of what I mean about checking and unchecking a box, right? It's where you're like, I have accomplished, like you said, this is a game about tomb robbing, and I've, I've accomplished that. Mm-hmm. And imagine if you would, that you had, that you chose the inner player dynamic, the inner character dynamic, and that the only way to make that sync was to drop the tomb robbing. Imagine, right. Right? Then you would go, well, now I have to uncheck that box, either from the vision cat column or from the execution column, because tomb robbing is out. And that's fine. That's your call to make as a designer, right? It's not mm-hmm. like that's a decision. Uh, and but you know, if you make these kind of decisions, we said, "Well, I'm making a space dog pi- dog fighting fighter pilot game," mm-hmm. and then later you go, it turns out it's actually set in World War One because the physics were too hard, or it's not what the game is about, or whatever it is, or vice versa. I started making a World War One game, and now it's about in outer space because I needed a fictional war, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that's and so yeah, I, I I I think I agree more than I disagree by by leaps and bounds, which is that. That notion of, of of testing what it is that you are building versus what it is that you have, mm-hmm. what you've built, and what you're capable of building in the time that you're working that you have available, right? Because it's time is a is a is such a factor. And I don't mean limited time; I just mean duration. I mean the fact that if what game you it, it, your vision for the game on Tuesday of 2013 versus your game on for the vision on the, the same Tuesday in July in 2015, there's a notion in in, in some. And, and, and it's a legit notion, but an idea which is that well, then you failed your vision because you changed this thing. I would never use that word fail for that. Yeah. Right? Have I, I mean, because everything you make is, for anything that has ever been made, there are a million things that it did not, that it was not. Right? Like for every movie made, what's your favorite movie, Nathan? My, my favorite movie? Yeah, what's your favorite movie? I'd say one of my favorite movies is The Sting. Okay, great. Every other movie in existence is not The Sting. So The Sting fails to be most movies. It is terrible at being... Fast and Furious Seven, right? It's terrible at it, right? Now that 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 idea is absurd on its face, mm-hmm. and yet when I am neck deep in design, or when I am reading internet commentary about a design, I will frequently hear the problem with this thing is that it is not this other thing, right? And right? and that's like, at a certain level, you just have to be like, that yeah. is correct, exactly. And at some right. level, that's much easier to do to accept and embrace that in certain levels of the design process, where you're saying that my game about futuristic. EMT saving alien lives on the streets of a misbegotten city is going to be a terrible romance game. 
I'm not, it just isn't, it's not a game about lovers. Or, or mm -hmm. I, I thought it was a game about workplace conflict and it turns out it's not. It's a pulse pounding suspense thriller or whatever. Yeah. And, and this is one of those areas where I think, because I see a lot of times when people want to do an elevator pitch, and the elevator pitch is such a hot concept, right? The, yeah. the one minute pitch of the game or the three sentence pitch of the game. And somebody wants to pitch their game to somebody else at Games on Demand or online or whatever, just even to say what, what they're working on and remind themselves why they're excited about it. Yeah. Genre can be poison in this area because you assume that you have to fulfill the needs of something that already exists. Right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and then, I mean, the shorthands can be very helpful where you say, like you say, I want a sword and sorcery tomb robbing thing. And I go, sword and sorcery, got it, tomb robbing, got it. And, I, and my immediate thought is, I'm on board. And you go, there's ziggurats and there are masks and there's some... There might be skullduggery and betrayal, and then you get treasures and stuff. I, I'm on board at every stage. If you had to give it to me in a three in a three word combination of prefab uh, 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 lingo that told me what shelf of Barnes and Noble it belongs on, or what shelf at the the long forgotten blockbuster it's supposed to be on, you would be doing your game a disservice. I think. Right. Right. And I think that's... And I think we have a tendency to do that during the not you and I. I mean, just designers often have a risk of doing that. Too early of trying yeah. to categorize or whatever. Our game well, you see, I mean, I think I see where it, where this becomes a, a more of a an actual problem as opposed to a yeah. a just part of the process problem yeah, yeah. is uh, when you. I think there is a there. It, it can be too early to to be talking about a game or or getting it out there or trying to get feedback on it and stuff. Right. Where you're like, here's what this game is, or here's what this game is supposed to be, and then. It goes out in some form that feels like it has some kind of finality to it, right. and then you keep working on it, and you're like, "Oh, actually, it is that pulse pounding thriller." But the people who already got invested in the workplace romance game, right. Right. right, feel like you've moved the goalposts on them. And it's not that you've moved them. I mean, you have, but it's not because you're trying to like trick them or something right. is because the design process is one of moving goalposts mm -hmm. uh, as you discover which ones are the, the, the ones that right. most match up with what you actually want. There's even, uh, I wish I knew more about the history, say, of football, of American football here, where the notion is that, because literally the distance between the goalposts and where the goalposts are, the size of the goal in soccer, right, the size <laughs> of the net in hockey, those were decisions that were made by somebody. And if we think that somebody just said, that the size of the net in hockey was decided and forever it shall be thus, mm -hmm. right? There's, I mean, for sure, right? People had to go through, well, what if it was this size? And this is where the notion of moving goalposts, it has one kind of completely metaphorical history. Mm -hmm. And then in theory, we think about it, it has a completely <laughs> non-metaphorical history, which is all these designed games mm -hmm. are somebody's decisions made at some point. And the extent to which we are unwilling or un unwilling to rethink or, or read those decisions later right. is fascinating to me. When you think about it, I mean, like the difference between, say, hockey and soccer, or the difference between a field hockey and soccer, or the difference between polo and water polo, I have no idea. But is that these games were created by somebody who said, wouldn't it be cool if, or whatever other in, inciting incident there was in their design trajectory that said, mm -hmm. you know what, I, I, I wish we could play soccer this winter, but everything's right. under ice. Whatever it is, right? This is where the new games come from. What are some, some insights that someone listening to this can maybe take from us about these questions? What is, we, we kind of talked about like using them as, as uh, metrics, right? Yeah. But like, okay, when you sit down and you're, you're, you're working out your game and you're like, okay, how, how can I get past this roadblock? Thinking about what is your game about? 
which can be a pitch, like because that evolves sure. and it can be a, a start out as a pitch or start out as a as a process. Like yeah. this game is about a bank heist or like whatever. And then what do the characters do and what do the players do? Because I think that's a classic. That's a classic area where answering those questions is designing your game. Right. That's a really fruitful scene too. Is the notion between what the because there's there are so this is kind of a again the ball in the net idea in that. There are so many assumptions that we can make early on when we're just thinking about we're going to make a game about a bank heist, that about what the players and what the characters will do that are in common or will be similar, right? And like for example, that we're doing a game about a bank heist. So, so during the planning stage, well, hang on, do the players plan? Do they have to, or can we just go? Right? The characters plan. They spent months on this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play this game for six months. Whatever. Right? Any of these various things. That's one of those. And to me, the seams between those questions is one of the things that's really important. And mm-hmm. and I think. One of the reasons that they're such great fodder, and that they're so that even though that they get mutated or, or altered, or that they get swapped out in terms of how it's about it, or what the players do and what the characters do, that these questions and not having ten of them, not having a hundred of them, mm. is so important, is because among other things, it lets you know when you when an idea has started becoming a design, right? An idea is something we 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 don't need to specifically put you know pen up a, or put a cage on what is an idea. But when you started answering these questions, you're approaching what is it I, that that you're starting to make it into a design, mm. right? Then you're starting to design that idea because you're putting it into practice and you're helping it become a thing that others can do, as opposed to just saying, "So it's you know it's it's mm-hmm. like uh, hockey, but you play with submarines." That's an idea. That's mm. not a design. That's not right. That's just a thing. <laughs> right. You know? Or or there's an idea, but then uh, you know here's an idea. And we're going to play it with fate, right? right. Or we're going to play it with Shadow of Yesterday or like whatever. Yeah. Where there's there's a whole continuum there of like designing some kind of setup or premise or something that then you hook into an existing game. Right. Right. That just answers some of these questions for you. All right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, in, in answering those questions, especially answering both of those, those are both things that you need to address in your design, right? Yeah. What do the characters do? So you start getting into, like, what do they need to be capable of? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they need to be effective at? What need to, what do they need to not be sure of getting? Right. Uh, and what, what's, in, what's in question? What's uncertain and what's certain? Right. Yeah. Um, what's premise and what's action? And then that one, and those questions, and, like, my, my process is starting from there. Sometimes you go the other way, but, like, starting from there, then you go into, like, so are there stats are there you know what what are the character abilities how do we represent them do we represent them with stats do we represent them with currency pools do we represent them with uh some kind of abstract notion of strength or whatever i I know i'm going to say this a lot so i want to say i'm going to tie this this phrase that i use a lot for myself to this idea which is what does the game care about right so if the game doesn't care about hit points then just don't have hit points in your game right for example right if they can't if, if nobody's supposed to sing in this game, don't have a song skill, right? Or or having a song skill says it's up that the game cares about that. Right. These kinds of notions. And that's that's a very broad way of, of approaching that, part of that, but yeah. And that links back to the, the, the alternate question of like what behaviors does the game reward or what right. behaviors does the game encourage? That's what your mechanics are doing, yeah. right? Mechanics are, are encouraging, rewarding, or punishing uh, certain behaviors in the game. And ideally... Unless, unless you're getting into some kind of, of territory where your game is more about making a, a, a point about game design or something. Uh, but generally, you, are, you want those to sync up with 
what your game is about, right? The, the, the behaviors that your mechanics right. reward should be... They should be encouraging, encouraging the, the players and or the characters to do things that the when, game is about. When you enga- yeah, when you engage in... It's kind of a circular thing, but when yeah. you engage in those behaviors, then you're like, oh, that's what this game is about, right? And then when you have stuff that... You, when you engage in them, uh, like you're saying, like, does the game care about singing? And if you have a song skill in there and it doesn't, and then you engage in that, it's is that just a that's just kind of a waste, right? Like it's kind of at the very at the at, at yeah. I mean, at, at best, presumably, it's a it's a pleasing filigree, but it sure, is, it is not substance. And there can exactly be reason. And this is another topic where like uh, talking about like elegance in a game design and and does everything in it need to all be synced up, or right. where's the room for uh, what I think of as like baroque more more baroque style game design where there's there's stuff that isn't necessarily all perfectly polished to, to go together and that has value as well but how, how those things interact and converse with each other mm-hmm. in the notion for example if the players and the characters have very different wants something that i'd love to try to explore in rpgs whenever i can mm-hmm. because it fascinates me but it's the notion where what the players want what the characters want are different not necessarily wildly different but where they're different mm-hmm. and so you have mechanics that in which one of the choices, that the, which again, choice being so important to game design, but one of the, the choices that a player might be making is, is my game, especially in an RPG, again, me, but is that, is my trip through this game about fulfilling the character experience or the player experience? And is that an illusion? Is it possible to do both, right? Because by fulfilling the character experience, do I, do I actually have, do I, do I fulfill a player experience? And et cetera. I mean, whatever. There's so many different, well, but, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's like that's. Uh, I see that as coming down to like play uh, play preferences and like what you like out of games, right? Like one person Very often, yeah, will yeah, yeah. like the, the, there is the the player experience of like when I play this game, I want to be synced up with my character, right? Like when I do stuff in character, I want that to to make sense and be what I want, I want to advocate for them and, and succeed at whatever they're trying to succeed at, right? Right. That's, a, that's one style of play, one play experience, one player preference. And then another is, I, when I play this character, I want to see them fail, right? right? I, I want to see them get into trouble. Right. My pleasure of, of play is in the, the, I don't know, the drama and like the pathos generated by seeing this character, you know, get into terrible situations. So, which then, you can design for one or the other, probably don't want to think you're doing one when you're actually right. doing the other. That's where you get into trouble, right? And you don't want to communicate that you've done one and then deliver the other. That's right. also a problem where a player sits down thinking they're going to get style A, and yeah. the game, the actual mechanics reinforce style B. Right. Which Either which is fine, mm-hmm. but saying... But that's, that's getting a, that's back a, that's to, a, if your game's about switch. A, yeah. or you want your a, game yeah. to be about A, then the behaviors need to be... Right. enforcing that or or at least pointing towards that there was an argument that was made which is that is pandemic actually a game about stopping a pandemic for example or is it a game about the world ending in a pandemic right the world about everybody getting sick and dying and the notion mm-hmm. is that because the, the idea is that because both outcomes are completely possible and that they're not i mean it's an obvious fail state for us but if you consider that you're playing against the board then the board is playing and the board won then somebody had the experience and the game on some level is about that happening Mm-hmm. And that's interesting to me, becoming it's, it's semantics, but it's also a fascinating, just a, a lens in a way, which is that that game is about, therefore, both of those. Right? What it's about is not, it's not about stopping a pandemic. That's not mm-hmm. an accurate description. 
It's about it's about trying to stop a yeah. Pandemic. It's about it's about interacting with a global pandemic, right? And the outcome, and this is one of the reasons that makes it a game, and this is one of the reasons why I love kind of using this for this example is that mm-hmm. the outcome is not the point, right? The outcome is not is not definitive, mm-hmm. right? The outcome does not tell us what the game is about because either outcome is possible while still being pandemic. So this ties back to something I wanted to add, which was that when you're talking about what do the characters do, what the players do, yeah. and players, let us be clear, inclusive of a of a, a GM, a GM yeah. figure, right? I think our our shorthand uh, is we're we're always going to be considering the Not GM as 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 a player, unless specifically Call designated otherwise. Yeah. But so so, what do the characters do? What do the players do? And then what does the game do? Because the game, like in Pandemic, uh, or something I'm more familiar with, which is Forbidden uh, Forbidden, Forbidden Island, Island, yeah. Because uh, the game has an agenda, right? It's 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 a mechanical, it's a mechanically driven, right? You know, process. But the game itself does have a goal, right. and it may not be an agent, but it is an actor. It right. takes actions in the game, yeah. and it yeah. it does right. Like character, what do the characters do? What do the players do? What does the game do? do. It, it, it <laughs> yeah. does, um, and that's one feature that uh, a lot of my games, especially, kind of in the 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 later half so far of my design trajectory have had an element of like the game does stuff and actually can create pressure uh, for the, for the, the players um, and characters because it has its own agenda. The game wants this to happen and absent your, absent your engagement with it. I mean, completely absent. You're not playing obviously, but like <laughs> if, if you don't, take into account what's happening on the mechanical level, then the game is going to get what it wants, which I generally try to point, you know, oppose what, what the characters want or what I think the characters should be wanting. One of these is also, and this is, this is obviously, this could be an episode in itself, but I just want to point at it on the horizon, which is that the language, the text, the rule book, the word choice, these things are all factors as well in what the game is, in portraying what the game is about. For example, I, I make the argument uh, uh, an awful lot, which is that there is absolutely a very frustrating game to be had in Fiasco. Fiasco seldom has it because the game is called Fiasco. So it has, Jason Morningstar very cleverly designed a situation in which if everything goes terribly, then, you're, then everything has gone great, right? If that game had a different name, Mm-hmm. It would be a very different experience, even if the rules didn't change. Right. We would engage with it differently. So that is still a factor in terms of, and this is why, especially in RPGs and such, but that, that theme and fiction and setting are so important, even if, even if your decision is to strip them out to an almost totally abstract game. That's a, you know, that, that's, that's a choice to do that. That's not a default state. There is no default state, really. But talking about the, the, the extent to which those communicate, and essentially are on some level have a mechanical aspect in terms of, you know, if, if pandemic was about flowers getting delivered to everyone on, on the planet, mm-hmm. but the game was the same, it would be a different game. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, I think there's the notion that the mechanics of the game are the game. Yeah. And then that there is, and the theme is just, a and that theme is a wrapper or that, uh, yeah, that the art is a, is a, is, a, is a layer that can just be stripped out. Right. I mean, I think you can design a game in that fashion, but I think you're, you're, you're making a deliberate choice to not use all the tools you have at your disposal. 
Nathan, I want to subscribe to your Patreon. How can I do that? You simply go to patreon.com slash ndpaletta. And I am at patreon.com slash wordwill. What do people even say at the end of a podcast? What happens if it just...